Welcome to Who Knew. We are fans of the current series of Doctor Who, and here we discuss our likes, dislikes, and insights into the modern regeneration of the show. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher, or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash whonewpodcast. All our episodes are on whonewpodcast.com. You can leave comments there, or email us at whonewpodcast at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram and Twitter account. Tweet at us at whonewpodcast. And find us on Facebook. Today's episode is episode 5 of season 5, Flesh and Stone. Will the Doctor and River Song stop Amy from becoming a weeping angel? This episode is written by Stephen Moffat, directed by Adam Smith, and it originally aired on the 1st of May 2010 and was watched by 6.87 million viewers. Hi, this is Eugene. Let's introduce ourselves. I guess this is a show that's 5x5, so this is Frank. (laughs) Five of this episode, this season. So five by five, and I had a good Buffy in there. He likes he likes Faith from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh. So. Well, I'd absolutely trust him. Hi, this is Auburn. This is Kelsey. Well, I remember Five for Five or the Saturday morning cartoon, interstitials. This is Josh. And this is Frank's husband. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, sweetie. <laughs> Spoilers. I live with that. The Doctor and his entourage are trapped in a cavern, with their only escape being the crashed spaceship 30 feet above them. The Doctor fires a gun at the grav globe of the ship, causing an updraft so when they all jump, the ship's gravity pulls them to its hull. Father Octavian looks at the statues below them and says they are looking more like angels. They are feeding on the radiation from the ship and draining its power. The doctor uses the sonic to open a hatch and they enter the ship. Have we heard of a grav globe before this? The impossible planet. But the reason, the way it's floating up there was like part of its anti-gravity thing. So when he shot it, it released the anti-gravity schmutz, which then helped them They had jump an updraft. As they jump, it kind of pulled them, and then the gravity... Because then the ship has internal gravity, and that's what pulls them onto that. Right, so once they can get up that high, they were okay. But the tone definitely shifts from emergency, danger... And they're like, oh, we're on the ship. Only for a minute or two. Yeah, but but still, I'm saying I still felt it. It was just like, oh, I guess I don't have to worry as much. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was also more of the doctor taking charge where before he was gathering the information. And now he knew what we, yeah. Replying or responding to things. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, okay, you put me in a trap. Now I've got a place to go and what to fight. And and I do like when he's orientated himself inside the ship. He's like, just just come down. (laughs) That was good. There are different (laughs) angles. It's like, the gravity works its way. Yeah, I like that. This is um, also an example I spoke about last episode of Amy's character just not not feeling right to me. While they're standing on the hull of the ship, she's looking down and constantly asking the doctor to explain, like, what are we looking at? Like, she doesn't understand. And I, I understand that as an audience, like, we need to be told that, especially because at the time of viewing, like, the, the audience at the time didn't get to watch it streamed that we do today so as soon as the last one ended i got to see where they ended up in the second one but still like amy's amy's character throughout the rest of this episode still kind of gives i just don't like it um she's too questioning she's too too in the dark haha well you know her eyes are closed come to think of it um this kind of takes the totally takes the wind out of the sails of the doctor's speech at the end of the last episode where he says uh the one person one thing you don't want to put in a trap is me he's the one (laughs) he's the one who figured it out well the last thing you want to put in a trap is is me why what are you gonna do 
Oh, I'm going to get out. Like, he didn't do anything. <laughs> he shot the crab globe. Yeah, but my point is, he said it as if, like, oh, you're in trouble if you put me in a trap. Because he knows how to get out of it. Right. But that's... But that, no, but it was more he, of a threatening he, he, tone. It was more of a threat. Like, oh, dude, you, you put really me in a trap, you're really going to get it. But that's, I think, arrogant. that's my point, is yeah. that it, this, what he was actually doing, takes the wind out of the sails of that speech. Like, because oh, I remember watching it, thinking, like, what's he going to do? Oh, he just got out of the trap. Right. The angels break into the ship and follow them. After a few close calls, Father Octavian warns River that if he loses more men, he will tell the doctor about her past. Without realizing it, Amy has begun to count down from ten. The doctor leads the team to a control center and locks the door, but the angels will break through soon. He opens a hatchway on the other side of the room to see a cyborg forest that produces oxygen for the ship. Nine. <laughs> Angel Bob calls the doctor and tells them that the angels are feeding and will conquer the universe. The doctor asks what they did to Amy. He tells them that Amy has an angel in her eye and that they will take them all. A piercing noise fills the room, and Bob says it is the angels laughing because the doctor hasn't noticed. The doctor turns and sees a crack in the wall, the same crack from Amy's childhood bedroom. I like the quick banter here of uh, the doctor and River where they're talking about the doors, and she says it's impossible, and he says how impossible, and she says two minutes. <laughs> I don't even remember that. That's yeah. I don't remember that either. <laughs> yeah, and that's just their shorthand to each other. It's impossible. How impossible? Two minutes. I like that. I was thinking of the exchange between River and the bishop. Yeah, me too. He was like, do you trust us? I absolutely trust him. Yes, but is he a madman? I absolutely trust him. <laughs> I like Ian Glenn's delivery of that line. It just adds like this weight and like a good actor can do this. Where if you gave it to like, I don't know, somebody less experienced or it, it would have fell flat. Yeah. I like that the Byzantium is a galaxy-class starship. Yeah, I did catch that. So I'm saying, you know, when they crash, they should have just separated the saucer and everything would have been all right. From the nacelle section. <laughs> Amy's counting down does work as, like, a really creepy device that, yeah, definitely ups, like, the scariness of what's going on. Unfortunately, when we get, like, a little bit later in the story and get Bob or Angel Bob's reasoning for the countdown, it kind of lets some of that out. But, but while it's going, I love it. It's very creepy because yeah. it's like you're being controlled, but you don't know it. That's terrifying. And I think she's doing some of the things, Frank, that you mentioned Moffat's writing in the last episode where like a character will say something that's like similar. Like I think somebody, he says five minutes and she says nine. And, and I think there's a few times where she answers or, or responds to a character's dialogue with a number mm -hmm. that uh, I, I like the way it all worked in the sequence. And I like how they started it with 10 and you're watching it and it's like, what? Nothing. And you're like, did I hear that or not? Maybe I misunderstood because they do speak fast. Maybe she yeah. said something else that's my brain heard as yeah. 10. And then you get it with 9. Okay, she's going to count down. And then the 5 with being fine. Yeah. I thought that one worked yeah. well. When does she say 10? Because I missed that. Early on. Was that when she had to turn the knob to open the door when he's going to turn off the lights and put power there? And he said, turn it four times to the right. 10. Four times. I know. Four times. That's what you said. Oh, wow. I didn't even <laughs> yeah. miss that completely. And I liked Seven. I think that was the one where she like laughs a little bit at something that somebody says. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the idea of the air forest was great. But they, but they called it tree borgs. Yeah. 
Shouldn't that be Arb? Arborgs. Arborgs, yeah. <laughs> Arborgs. I like Arborgs. that. Arborgs. That's smart. <laughs> I did like that the angels were laughing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We've changed the characterization of these creatures, the angels. So they are going to be a lot more menacing than just cruel. And that they were laughing at them because the doctor didn't know it. I kind of like that. I like that aspect of it. I just I just really don't like that device. I just think that it, for me, it ruins the Weeping Angels. For me. Because now they have a voice and we're hearing... Their thoughts. Their thoughts and their motives and... But even know, so, just... they're, I agree with you, but the way they play it, it's almost as if, like, Bob's their captive. Mm-hmm. He's just telling them what the angels are doing, not what we're doing. Hmm. So I, I do you think it, he's doing it to try to help? No, no, no. It's totally the. It's point. totally the angels. Absolutely, it's the angels. But they've captured his consciousness. So when he's speaking, it's more in lines of the angels are laughing, not we're laughing at you. The angels are laughing at you, and they know something you don't know. He's still doing it as a third person kind of narrator. And it, yes, that is the angels' voice. I see your point, but I like the fact that it's not an angel speaking. I um, I just. I just have a, I guess I just have a problem, such a problem with this device, but the stuff that Brian's brought up, you know, it helps me come around to it. Well, it sounds like, which I don't, I don't disagree with, your inherent, what you like inherently about the Weeping Angels is their silence. It's just that all it is is their action. You have no idea exactly what they're thinking, except for I'm going to kill you or send you back in time, whatever. And that's what makes them scary. So as soon as they actually have a, a, a voice, it's like if Mike, Ma, Michael Myers or, you know, uh, Jason from the, from Friday the 13th, Thirteen, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like started to be like, I'm gonna get you. <laughs> I'm gonna get you because I don't like your yeah, haircut. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think, and in that voice, wait, wait a minute, I thought you'd have a little gravity voice. No, <laughs> I don't like it because you made fun of my voice. Uh, stabby, stabby. <laughs> <laughs> I like this episode just as much as the first one, but I don't disagree with you at all that they're taking the again the wind out of its out of the wings uh, of the angels in that way. But the way they're doing it is still scary. It just turned them into something else that mm-hmm. isn't what it was originally. I mean, I love this episode compared to where the Weeping Angels end up in the Doctor Who lore. Let's keep forgetting. <laughs> but I, I think you're right, Brian. Like it's the creepy factor and all the stuff is working. It's just because they took something. Yeah, they ruined the mytho- they yeah. altered the mythology of the angels, and that was jarring. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's and, like, and they didn't explain it. No, they all leave through the forest except the doctor. He is examining the crack when the angels enter the control room. They grab the doctor by his jacket before he looks at them, which allows him to escape. Amy continues to count down and collapses on the ground of the forest. River examines her, and she is dying. There is an angel in her brain and is using her sight to take control. The doctor has Amy close her eyes, which stops her counting down the numbers. She is feeling better, but needs to keep her eyes closed. The remaining soldiers surround Amy to protect her while the doctor, River, and Father Octavian go to find the solution to all their problems. (laughs) (laughs) And the exit on the other side of the forest. 
this they did this part previously as well i don't know they were in the original blink or whatever but they say these things are so fast it'll get you if you blink meanwhile he's surrounded mm. by them and he's squirming his way around and it's squirming his way around he can't look at all of them that surround him all at once all, all yes but even in blink that happened yeah so yeah it's so, just although if you think about it the end of blink the way they're all he had them all looking at each other yeah like, that works they, they could have yeah all right so i just logic my way out of it but there was even points in blink where yeah nobody's looking at them and they're still stone. Just Tough. because we can move doesn't mean we want to move. Right. <laughs> what I didn't like... Is... I'm comfortable. This is them relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> I made the angel it's gesture. So now, uh, while this is happening, the angels are coming in and they want to feed on the time energy from the crack. So they are distracting and they're trying to feed on that. And that doctor says, this will not work. This is The energy is not what you're going to need. So I don't know if that was why they were also not moving. Is that Are they trying oh, to feed maybe. off of the time energy as well as him right. looking? And so their priority is not trying to get him. It's to get the energy. Okay. Yeah, I right. don't know, but mm, in my own little rationalization. Yeah. Is that where we see the little angel in Amy's eye? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that to me, I think that's what confused me originally, thinking it was going to come out of her eye. Mm. It's going to take her. Oh, like, like if it, the whole thing was supposed to be in her mind, in her mind's eye, you know, like if you can conjure the image of something in your mind then that's still the image of something but when they actually gave it manifestation that we saw in her eye uh... and maybe that goes to what we're talking about this is a show for kids the kids need to be reminded visually that this is what's going on but I don't think it needed to be there or it's another Muffet motif because he uses that kind of image later on in a different episode maybe isn't yeah. it that a- Amy's going to be an angel yeah but the, yeah. you wouldn't have the face in the well, eye well it's like coming it's it, it, no the angel would come fully it's formed knocking out on the of door. Head. <laughs> I like the image. I like that shot where we see. It's creepy. It's mm-hmm. very creepy. I like it, but but the, the this previous scene where the doctor escapes from the horde of angels is where this episode becomes silly to me, and I can't I can't be scared of anything moving forward. It's just too silly. It just and it goes against everything that I know about the weeping angels. But I agree with Josh. Like, it doesn't make sense how... Because I'm pretty sure the doctor says it's in her mind's eye. So closing your eye... he says mind's eye. He just says mind. He just says mind. Okay, and then I just... I guess I did... Oh, yeah. So it's in your mind. The angel is in your mind. Closing your eyes is not going to shut down your mind. Like, if no, he I, can... If, if, if Amy can see the angel in her mind... How does closing her eyes stop the angel from controlling her? I think the lo- the science logic of that <laughs> is that's how it got in. So it's still sort of using that conduit. And when you shut your eyes, your brain turns off that conduit. It's the equivalent of her being able to turn the videotape off at the glitch. Because there's no image there of the uh-huh. angel. She closes her eyes. There's no image of the angel. Okay. Think of it as there's no light going into her eye to light up the angel. Because you, your eyes are practically part of your brain. I would have tried to really explain doesn't, it. The yeah. doctor does say that, going, we're trying to unplug yeah. the machine. How do right, we do that to close the eyes? Maybe that's why I thought trying to unplug your mind, close your eyes, isn't going to do that. I would have like, rather... Because he does the whole, like, how would you how would you yeah. stop your lungs? Or whatever. How would you starve your lungs? Where it would be like, I'd stop, I'd hold my breath. I'd stop breathing. How do we shut down the mind? Close your eyes. And I'm like, no. It doesn't work that way, yeah. <laughs> You can't think about it too much. So it's much. not just you can't not just think you got to roll with it. It's a bit it's a bit of it's a, fairy tale logic. So. Yeah, the build up and the setup to this was fine, but then now it gets too convoluted and like 
now we're thinking about it too much. It, it, I was like, what? Mm-hmm. This doesn't right. work. And the countdown wasn't for anything happening other than they were just wanted to scare her. Yeah, they were doing the countdown oh. for fun, but the countdown was real. The countdown would be when the angel takes over. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, totally. Mm. It is real. I think I understood it the same way Kelsey did, that they were just having fun. Yeah, just to, to no, add cause more. No, because she was getting sicker the more, yeah. the more she counted down. I see. I hear that now. Yeah, because yeah, the doctor did now. say you will die if you open your eyes. You gotta keep them closed for one second. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it was also like it's so hard to act and to be connected to somebody acting when they shut their eyes. So for us as the audience, like that immediately makes it harder to to sympathize with Amy. Because you don't get her her scare, you know, like the eyes are the windows to the soul. That's how we connect to each other and connect to an actor and connect to like, what is that person thinking? Are they scared? Are they excited? Are they anything? And it's a lot of it is the eyes. And so to have your like one of your leads act with her eyes shut for a good chunk of this. I don't know. It's just a weird choice to me. I understand what you're saying, but I didn't feel that in this episode. I thought she did fine. I think there was just a lot going on. Yeah. When I think, uh, w- I think we'll get there in a little bit, but there's another scene that is just uh, annoying okay. with Amy. I thought the forest looked really good. The it's supposed to look like good. a mm-hmm. fake indoor forest. It looked better than some forests. Yeah. And, you know. <laughs> that were supposed to be outdoors. But I really liked it. I thought it was a great set. Yeah, the ground So I think they did set. really well visually. What Was the forest shot as a set? Because I feel like some of the wide shots in the forest, I can almost see like rain or something happening in the background. Did they go to, was there any location or um, was it all? The forest scenes in the Byzantium were filmed at Puzzlewood in the forest of Dean over nine nights Oh. So that's why it looked so good as yeah. a fortress. <laughs> no, they did a really good job. Like so making like a lighting. real forest look fake. That's, I guess that's easier than making a fake forest look real then. <laughs> I told you why I picked your apples. <laughs> Is that Snow White? Wizard of Oz. The doctor comes back while wearing his coat and tells Amy that she needs to trust <gasps> him completely. Seriously? Yes. He loses his coat and then he has it again? Yes. I, think he, I don't think he totally loses it, though. Continuity. I think you see kind of No, the angel is holding it. That's a huge continuity oh, yeah. error. Huge continuity <gasps> error, sure. La, nah. Huh? It's not a continuity error. It's not a continuity error. We'll tell you later. In this episode, we discussed a bit about River and what might possibly happen in the future. So we're not going to put that information here. Yeah, at the end of the episode, we'll have something that for people who are caught up will enjoy. And if you're not caught up, there'll be spoilers. So you have been warned. If you're watching along with our podcast, you may not want to listen to that part. So this segment will be after our closing statements. And we're going to call this segment Just Around the Riverbend. Stay till the end and we'll do a little spoiler thing of where this is for River Song. The doctor comes back, wearing his jacket, and tells Amy that she needs to trust him completely. She asks him how the crack from her bedroom could be here, but he doesn't have an answer yet. He tells her to remember what he told her when she was seven, and then leaves. 
The doctor asks River about her relationship with Father Octavian, but she is vague in her reply. Father Octavian tells the doctor that she is his prisoner. She is only there to fulfill this assignment and earn her pardon. If they fail, he will return her to Stormcage Prison. The doctor is working on the information from the scan he took of the crack and discovers that it originated in Amy's bedroom, even though it is in many places and many times. The crack is affecting time, rewriting it. Amy didn't recognize the Daleks during World War II, and there were no ducks in the duck pond. Perhaps time itself could run out. And a giant cyber king can walk all over Victorian London, <laughs> and no one can remember it. Thank you, Stephen. What a great way to explain it. I mean, so this we find out more about River being in prison and that, I mean, that whole little banter where she's not going to tell the doctor anything. I like Father Octavian just going, stop it. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not a game player. Mm-hmm. She's out of prison. The time and she's going to go back over. there if we don't right. do what we have to do by getting rid of these angels. He was placating her for the, for a while now, but now people are dying. Right. Well, he said, more of more, more of my damn it. Well, they don't know. He doesn't know they're dead yet. He doesn't even remember them. Never mind. <laughs> he doesn't even remember them? Because they're they wiped. from time. We haven't read it yet, but, but yeah. that's they, what happened. Well, like the the Bob no. he knows is dead. He has no idea who. He Angelo won't remember is. Bob. He won't remember uh, Angelo. And um, no, not uh, he won't oh. remember the the, the four that the, are the, the four uh, that are separating uh, surrounding. Yeah, 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 yeah. He won't remember the four. Of them. His best man. Why do any of them have to stay? Can't the soldiers, two of the soldiers, just like help her along? I love that where you'll just slow us down. And she's like, well, no offense, but you would speed me up. I mean, (laughs) I love that. It's like, this is. I miss that dialogue. Yeah, Amy says, no offense, but you'd speed me up. It's like, yeah, she's right. Why would you do this? Well, story-wise, they had to keep him in that spot. But Yes, absolutely. And that's what I think I kind of don't like about this yeah. stuff, is that it feels like all set up just to have her walking with her eyes closed through the forest. And it feels well, like... part well, of it is they don't know... She have to see the crack. But, but I feel like from a writer, he had this point, and he reverse-engineered it in such mm-hmm. a way that felt uh-huh. <laughs> like it didn't feel natural to me at some points. So this one, I thought, did make more sense. I had less work to do to rationalize it. And if I... In it, that they did not know exactly where they were going or where they were facing, so... And I think if I have a more favorable opinion of this episode, I would be right. on your camp. But at this point, I even after, after revisiting it, I was like, you're doing this... You're making this way too complicated. Like, you had your points that you wanted to hit, and you're like, uh-oh, how do I make them work? And this is the best way to do it. You put her 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 mind you put the angel inside you explain it by closing her eyes immediately stops that and we're like i don't think that works but okay and then it, it felt i don't know weird i just well the writers well. couldn't even get her back to them i mean we'll get there but yeah like, yeah like it, the fact it, that we're it, discussing yeah. and yeah. placing logic into these things is a sign The angels disrupt the lights in the forest and advance on the soldiers. A bright light fills one part of the forest and suddenly the angels are gone. Two soldiers go to investigate and disappear as well. Amy risks opening her eyes and sees the light, which she recognizes as a crack from her wall. A soldier makes her close her eyes again, but when Amy asks about the other two soldiers, he doesn't remember them at all. This soldier heads towards the light to investigate, disregarding Amy's protests. As the angels advance on their position, the the way that it's cut together, the soldiers are calling out exactly what is happening, what they're seeing. I see two angels moving in here. I see this happening over here. And Amy, like we're coming to Amy saying, what's going on? Tell me what's happening. And it's like, they are. Right. <laughs> uh, so this is the part where like, I'm like, 
it, it annoys me because as the viewer, I am not only I'm seeing what's happening, but I'm hearing very clearly from these soldiers all around Amy who are shouting at each other what is happening. So Amy's lines there, they, they make Amy seem dumb and needy and weak, which I don't think, I hope it wasn't the intention. Maybe maybe in that point in time it was, but it it just takes away from Amy I th- in think that moment. I, I'd have to listen to that bit again, but I, I took it as Amy's, when Amy's asking, what do you see? She wants to know what the light is. And they're not telling her. This that. is even bef- before that. Like as the angels are moving in, like the the whole sequence is what's going on, what's happening. And like if I'm the soldier, I'm like, quiet. We're trying to kill the angels and keep them away. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I blame her. She can't see. She's terrified. She's in the dark. They're not. And they say two angels advancing, three angels advancing over here. Where's here? Which side is here? What, what, what's going on? You know, I mean, is it just like speak, yeah. talk? I, I think I would. And I think what would have made that better for me is that if she asked for more, if they were giving her vague, those vague ones that she, uh, they were doing in the episode, she would have said, I need more details, mm-hmm. where? And then they started answering her with more of the details. That would have made that episode, uh, scene better. But I think this is more truthful in that I don't think they would have answered her. They're doing their job being the soldiers and talking to each other. But and so I think this is pretty good, but I see where you're coming mm-hmm. from totally. And that's why I laughed earlier going, I get that. It, may, it, maybe a different way if it was edited, I wouldn't. And maybe if, like, I wasn't already kind of turned off by earlier on, she was really, like doing the same thing even when she could see and and, so, and I'm just trying to more put me. more of like what I would have wanted to make it feel better for me because right now I'm on the camp of Auburn when when I first watched or when I rewatched it I was like why is she seem like kind of ditzy at this mm-hmm. point and I think if they saw something and they're like we don't expect to see that and then that's why they're giving kind of vague things because they're the ones with their eyes open and she's like no you need to give me more because the doctor instructed me with something or just a little bit extraness. <laughs> and then they started responding with more of those details that we were talking about. And I think that would have settled better. And then they, you know, they're still helpless because they're just cannon fodder at this yeah. point. Yeah. So it was fine. Yeah. I think doing it your way would have been good. I like that. That's not what's there. No, I know. So and I'm it- just trying to see what's there was enough for me. And even though it may have been better if they did it the way you're suggesting. Yeah. And I just want, for me, I want to make it better for myself. That's all. So I'm trying to rationalize things. Father Octavian, the doctor, and River reach the other side of the forest and locate the hatch. The doctor tells them that the crack is rewriting history, which is very dangerous. An angel grabs Octavian and is about to snap his neck, but the doctor sees it and it freezes. Father Octavian is trapped in the angel's grasp. He tells the doctor not to trust River. She is in prison for killing a man a very good man. He knows he is already dead and tells the doctor to leave him and escape. As the doctor leaves, we hear the angel breaking Octavian's neck. I was just, um, I was just gonna say that, uh, Amy opens her eyes and looks at the crack, even though the doctor told her not to open her eyes even for a second. And she opens it for like seven seconds. All that would have made it work for me personally is if somewhere in there, she went to. <laughs> That's all yeah. I needed. I took it as the crack was halting the process. Mm. Yes, I like that. And like state because it was drawing power away from like the the angels thought they were they originally were going towards it for the power, but then they found out that it was actually hurting them. And there are different groups of angels because there's so many of them. So the group that was in the forest disappeared, but there's still the group going after the doctor. And 
um, Father Octavian, so they're still around. So it's just kind of like, how many different groups yeah. are there? How many? Well, I mean, remember there's around? hundreds of angels. Right. So it's just sort of kind of like a little confusing as the angels were gone and disappeared. No, just those that were there in the forest. In the forest. Uh, so when Father Octavian is going to die, he has one of the best lines that really makes this episode. I Well, not makes this episode for me, but it really stands out as one of the moments that I like about this episode. And I think this is my favorite, favorite line in the entire story. You know, I die in the knowledge my courage did not desert me in the end, which is perfect for his character. Yeah. Absolutely perfect. He delivers it perfectly. Brilliant. Yeah, they casted Ian Glenn perfectly Perfect. for this role. Perfect. Albert and I really like the part where he says just before that, where the doctor says, I wish I had known you better. And he says, he says, I believe you have known me at my best. Yeah. That yes. Was, I mean, that's like, so good. Yeah. I think they knew who they had, so they gave him mm. some good, like, meaty lines. It's great. For a character that's, you know, dead now, he had a is good he, impact. Yeah, I totally forgotten about this character. Or is he? <gasps> what? I, um, I I know what he's going getting at. I, I think that would be great if he's who there was found. a there was a uh, a draft of the script where you found out at this point the angel does not snap his neck. The angel sends him back in time, and he becomes the monk that writes the book about in, in the, the first episode. With the drawing or the no drawings, it it was in a first draft, and then they took it out. They thought it was too convoluted. I would have liked that. That would be great. They would have seen like the book at the end, and it would have been signed Father Uh Octavian. But the way it's done is that you hear that crack, and you're like, "That's it." But you see, I kind of like that because it's like, well, that explains where the book came from. Because the book, they made a big deal about the book going. This is the only person who could talk about the angels, and it makes sense. And if it's anyone that died in these episodes, it would be him to write a book. I don't see the other yeah. others doing that. Not Bob. No, not Bob. <laughs> Bob's book. See Bob go. Bob goes there. <laughs> oh, you know what's interesting about that book is that... It has no pictures. Well, but it did. It did have pictures, and then that's how they discovered that any image that They were ripped out, holds, right? Oh, were there pictures that? ripped out? Were well, there, there torn were pages? Holes. There were... Wow. Yeah, there were ripped so pages and and yeah. like cool. empty spots. Yeah. How many angels had so to come out of the I book figured. before they're like, somebody get those pictures out of there? Like, I keep reading this book and people around me keep dying. Thanks, Octavian. <laughs> and then he says the line. <laughs> you zapped me back in time. You were supposed to just break my neck. I was all ready to have my neck broken. <laughs> I was, had the speech and everything. I gotta <laughs> live with this now? <laughs> He went back to Westeros, wrote the book while he was like on his. Oh, that's they're not torn out. They're dragon fire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he started writing the book about how to cure dragon scales. Like I'm writing a different book. <laughs> I don't know how. Do, how do you guys feel about that river being jailed? Her introduction yeah. was great in uh, Silence of the Library, and then we get her back here and we're like, yay. Oh, you're a prisoner. I like I it. I like it. It's mysterious. It adds, to, it adds it, to the... It okay. makes sense in the long run. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm in the middle. I could go either way, so I just wanted to hear what other no, people No, I thought. like it a lot. Okay. It, it, it makes her character a little more interesting. Gotcha. Okay. And, and on top of the fact that, oh, I'm not a professor yet. That one makes sense. To me, the other one I'm ambivalent on. Mm, yeah, I like it. Okay. The only thing that I was bothered by was 
Octavian was so insistent on being by her side, except the show opened and they had trusted her enough to do this mission on the Byzantium. So that's a good point. And then they also mentioned that Father Octavian and her are linked in some way in the first episode. And then now it feels like the link is like jailer, warden. As yeah, a, that's yeah. what the as link a, is. As opposed to what they were alluded to was like husband and wife. Well, you know, then, I didn't get that. Oh, I got that. Yeah. She I, said she engaged. Said, you, what yes. are you two engaged? Yeah. Engaged. But we knew Fit. that was subterfuge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We knew yeah. something was up. It's just that, just that word, engage, makes you think romantic. Maybe they were, you know, I think when I originally saw this episode, I thought they might have been like ex-husband and wife. Mm. I can see that. Amy is alone. The doctor calls her on a walkie-talkie and tells her she needs to come to them. If she stays where she is, the time energy from the crack will erase her from existence. Past, present, and future as if she never lived. He sonics the communicator so it emits a sound when she is going the right direction. Amy begins walking with her eyes closed but acting as if she can see to trick the nearby angels. Since they think she can see, they turn to stone. But she trips, and they realize she's not looking at them. As they begin to move toward her, River activates a transporter and beams Amy to them. This is the, the, he, he's portraying these beings as pretty darn intelligent. And for them to be that easily fooled, I, I couldn't buy that in the writing. Because it changes the idea of it being... A defense mechanism. No, just in, oh, that if, if someone's no, watching them from thing. the back and they don't know someone's watching them, right. they're still going to be frozen. Yes, right. They're saying be. that's not going to happen. Like, it's not something that happens to them. It's something they do on yes. purpose. But they have to know that they're being watched to do it. It has to be a reactionary thing. I don't like it. Before, it seemed like even if you watched them from the back, mm-hmm. would they still move? No. But they did not know you're watching, so they're right. not doing this defense to- mechanism. Totally agree. Right. So that's the confusing part. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's just like he It's like he had, uh, he had like 20 creepy ideas, and he just <laughs> didn't want to get rid of any of them. And now that he was showrunner, he can do whatever he wants, and so he's going to put them all in this episode. But when the angels move, it's really creepy. Yeah. I think that watching them from the back... Why are they able to move like that? That's so... It's... I think they did it well, but I was, I could tell what was the way, I could tell how they were doing it and I found it distracting. When the doctor's escaping, one of like, one of the cuts, like an arm is moving to reach for the jacket. Oh, really? I thought it was a head that slowly turns. In Blink, it was, was it stated that if they don't know it, then they're still frozen? It is. It, it was. It, is it was stated. generic, just saying you have to look at them and they will. That is true, but sorry, they, just don't. Just adds their own defense thing. But it, it did say that if they're, they, they do say in both episodes they're quantum locked, and quantum lock means if it's yeah. observed, anything that is, is observed reacts differently than when it's unobserved. Yeah. So if you're seeing an angel from the back with a quantum, regardless of if they know it or not. Yeah, exactly. The, yeah. the doctor says literally cease to exist. If they're being observed, they're no longer weeping angels. They're stone statues. So they would so know. So they're not even aware. I, I, that's how I take according what the doctor said. But yeah. the doctor might not be all-knowing in this. The word according to the doctor. The fooling them by pretending like you can see them. Like yeah. that, that takes away a lot of other events that even happen in this episode where they do move quickly and yeah. in the dark. And It's like yeah. if I wanted to pretend I was convince someone I was sleepwalking, I'd shut my eyes. <laughs> and put my arms out in front of me and snore like... (laughs) So basically, my shirt says don't blink, but what it should say is don't blink or, you know, just act like they can see you. (laughs) Like you can see them. Or like you can, sorry, I'll say that again. 
Or how about you read my shirt? Because it's oh, upside, upside down. down. Your shirt now says, don't blink, or, you know, just act like you can see them, dot, 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 whatever. Because that's how I feel now. To me, this scene is kind of speaking to kids, kind of like yeah. hide and seek and uh, red light, green light. It's weird. I did not expect this when I first watched it. Like this is the like your third act kind of showdown. Yeah, I was not this. I was not ready or wanting this. And she was doing it. She she wasn't even doing it well. Yeah. Anyway. This also has another moment of early doctor, early 11th doctor being too angry. Mm, oh, yeah. yelling at River? Yeah, when he turns mm-hmm. it like me, for instance. It's like, okay. But now I can look at it and go, okay, they don't do that for his entire run. Thank goodness. But Alex's reactions were really good. Mm. It was she understood how much in pain or scared he was. She knew him. So I think her reaction worked, but his getting angry didn't for me. Bob and the other angels follow and offer the doctor a deal. They will not kill him or the others if he throws himself into the crack, causing it to close because of the time energy he has absorbed throughout his lifetime, not only saving the angels, but his friends as well. The doctor reminds the angels that they've been draining power from the ship, and it's almost depleted. He warns River and Amy to hold on to something as the ship loses power and the artificial gravity turns off. The angels are sucked into the crack, and it closes behind them. This is very reminiscent of uh, the second season where there's a crack in space-time or the dimensions and then they suck all the Daleks and Cybermen, I believe. Ah. Yeah. That's when he loses Rose, right? Yeah. Um, Doomsday, I believe, is the episode. Hmm. You expect in, the Amy void. to go flying through that? <laughs> Oops. In slow motion. I did like that the angels were going to the crack in time to try and feed off it. And the doctor warns them and that's how he escapes you know, that area. Yeah. And then they start running away from the crack ring. Yeah, he's right. This is way too much. Some of the angels have disappeared and now they're all hightailing out. And this is their way of trying to survive still. Mm-hmm. It's like, it needs something that's traveled through time. And I guess, you know, angels dealing with the whole time part. We'll remember. Yeah. And I mean, the doctor and Artron wow. energy and all of that residual stuff that we saw in Doomsday. I mean, that makes sense that the doctor would be something to right. throw into the crack. And I did like his little line to River. With River, I've been through time. Oh, please. <laughs> the way I've traveled after 970 years. And... Actually, I like what he says because he says, compared to me, the angels have a ton more energy than you. Right. Yeah. And it's like, oh, oh, oh. I, I like them falling, that they are still like statues. They have like bases. Yeah. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, some had feet and some had bases. Mm-hmm. Feels weird that the ones that have feet have feet. I don't know. I'm just used to them, the gowns going all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> it's another uh, thing with the angels, because the whole time when like Amy's walking in and what they're talking about, the doctor is telling Amy to pretend that they could see, she can see them, so they'll all freeze and they all freeze. Can't they hear this? I mean, don't they go, yeah. oh, you're just pretending? <laughs> I thought the same thing, that it just really lowered their scare factor when yes. they were so easily fooled by her performance and they can't hear the conversation. So then what can they, like, but they're talking to him coherently through Bob, like. And then that whole beeping thing reminded me of, like, the kids game again. Yeah. You're getting hot, you're getting hot, you're getting cold, you're colder, coldest. <laughs> if that was, if that whole sequence was geared towards the kids just to be like they're not so scary look you know because that that i can understand and give it more of a pass 
Yeah. Since the crack removed the angels from time, the angel inside Amy also never existed, and she is conveniently safe. <laughs> the doctor, Amy, and River climb out of the ship and return to the TARDIS. The crack is gone for now, but what is causing it is still unknown. The prison ship is in orbit and will transport River soon. She confirms that she is in prison for murder, but won't tell the doctor who. She tells him that he will see her again when the Pandorica opens. She is beamed away, and Amy asks to go home so she can tell the doctor what she has been hiding. Roll credits. Gosh, what a great episode. <laughs> uh, not yet, not yet. But I did like River's response, because the doctor is saying about Pandorica, he leans over and says, that's just a fairy tale. And she says, aren't we all? I like the fact that she says, must it always end in handcuffs? <laughs> Which is a reference to Silence in the Library when the doctor was handcuffed to the wall and couldn't get to her to save her when she... Right. But she didn't but know But she that doesn't yet. know that yet, right? right. Well, yes, but from her point of view, they've used handcuffs. So they're still consistent in different aspects. Mm-hmm. Bringing up the Pandorica. Mm-hmm. Hello. Spoilers. I'll see you again when the Pandorica opens. Oh, so it's going to open? And it's going to be real? <laughs> uh, store in the mall. Oh, we've heard the Pandorica before. In the eleventh hour, Oscar winner Olivia Coleman says the Pandorica will open and silence will fall. There's music that's playing with River, which is talking on the beach at the end here. And it's nice, sweet music. Kind of has a cascading down of the piano keys and chord, and it just—I thought it was a great piece. River's song, and boy, (laughs) do they use it a lot. And I loved the shot of the Doctor, Amy, and the TARDIS on the beach. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is just, it's like, we should print that out. Because I think Mm -hmm. that's iconic. It's a single thing as the two little kids that has been sold like since the 80s of a print of the two kids sitting on the beach and just see their back and feeling Mm -hmm. to it. It just had a great feel. And uh, if you notice, the doctor's hair is longer because this is the same day that they're shot on the beach. So that was done first. And then they cut his hair for all the, I guess, interior stuff. Yeah, didn't they say they looked at the dailies and went, whoa. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, because you can tell his hair goes kind of into his eyes. Mm -hmm. And then for the stuff that's not on the beach, it's shorter than that. Yeah. Back home, she shows him her wedding dress and tells him that the next day is her wedding day to Rory. She then throws herself on the doctor and kisses him passionately. The doctor pushes her off him and realizes everything has been about her. Wait, what? So this just really felt felt like tacked on? I didn't need this? I think it was horrible. This yeah. is where you lose me. <laughs> Number four yeah. drops. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did not like it. I thought it was funny. Reverse it. Reverse it. The doctor's a woman, and a man the night before his wedding starts kissing her passionately. Did did Amy actually kiss him passionately, or did she try? No, no. It was lip lock. She pinned him against the uh, the TARDIS. She made it really clear what she wanted and wanted now. Reverse the genders. Who? She didn't want anything long term. She wanted a little fling the night before her wedding. You terrible person, you. I just, boy, was I not liking Amy. It didn't fit. But this the next the dawn had Rory. But then right away we, we see Rory in the next dawn and they're yes, doing couple things. And Rory makes everything better. Yes. I will give you that. But right but yeah, now, this, this it's really, wow. It came out of nowhere. It To me, it made absolutely no sense. The night before your wedding and you want, no, that's just wrong. Especially the way that she worded a lot of that stuff. When she was sitting in the forest, not being able to see, thinking she's going to die, she thought about she, what she really wanted, who she really wanted. Mm-hmm. And she jumps them. 
I think when we were watching it the first time, lost it and just did not like this character. Eugene, do you know when this part was shot? Was it shot with the 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 eleventh hour? So I don't know what what I'm asking. It just yeah, like uh, finding Amy's character, or or is this like what they were going for? I'm not I going mean, to answer the question you ask. Okay. I'm going to answer the question I think you're asking. This yeah, ep- please. This episode was shot in um, 2010, mm-hmm. and in an interview in 2017, Moffat said that he wished he could have changed the scene between the Doctor and Amy kissing. He said in a, qu- a Twitter Q&A that there's a brilliant scene to be written there, and I entirely avoided writing it. I played it for laughs, and it was so wrong. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. That makes me feel a little better, because so, he's right. So I, int- I actually answered Brian's question. <laughs> No, that that I that helps. Yeah, because it seems like he was still trying to figure out a little bit how they're re- relating, mm-hmm. and yeah, especially coming off of the rest of uh, these two episodes, yeah, it was very odd. But there was one bit of very pertinent information in this scene we did not pick up until just watching it for this podcast. I'm embarrassed. Last night was when we looked at each other and went, oh, wow, that makes sense. We knew it was there, but we just kind of either forgot or... It never made sense to me. It didn't didn't click completely. I I always watched this through eyes of being too angry at Amy's actions. (laughs) Right. But you missed the last Really, really truthfully. I I don't know if I've watched this scene very much because I just can't stand it. But watching it for the podcast, Frank and I both went, <gasps> Amy is kissing the doctor, kissing the uh, to the doctor, and the doctor says, but you're getting married in the morning. And he looks at the clock and figures out the date, and it clicks to the doctor. Back when he was scanning the whole crack and talking to River about, this is where it all started. This is the originating date. It's during Amy's time. The date on there is the, the wedding day. You know, So the crack opens because of what happens tomorrow with the wedding day. And that's when he says, it's all about you. Everything's been about you. Because of the date. Because, but wait, you're getting married in the morning. <gasps> getting married in the morning. What I don't like about this is that she doesn't love Rory enough in my mind. She's marrying him either because of convenience. It's a small town she's still living in. But that's this the is bit- the best she can do. You know, she's settling, and I don't like that. That's and the progression of that's the progression of her character, though. You're but, looking at it from this one episode's point of view, but if you look at her whole story arc, this is where she starts. Later on, to change it to no, she's always loved Rory, and she would not do this. True. In, uh, in later yeah. episodes, it changes yeah. along there, and also looking at it from another episode further on, that's what we got the importance of this date. So she doesn't remember all this stuff that happened in the past because the the cracking her walls been kind of sucking her memory from her or mm-hmm. her time from her right but they established in the forest just in the fake mm-hmm. forest yes that they are bored that it's not that people's memories are being affected it's that whoever gets sucked into the the crack disappears from existence right so she uh, the things that she didn't remember the daleks her parents um the cybermen the ducks they didn't fall into the crack no, but the yeah, they could have. The cracks the Daleks, everywhere. The Daleks fell into the cracks. So, so, so that, but that would mean no one on the planet would now remember the Daleks. Correct. Okay. If that's the case, then okay. Yeah. So, and that's why remember nobody remembers a gigantic Cyberman walking around Victorian London. That's not okay, a thing. Very good. So because she, everybody forgets. She wasn't affected by the crack. The world was affected by the crack. Yes, and she was part of the world at that point. And then she becomes a time traveler right. and is immune to right. its effects. Okay. But, 
thank you for that lead-in, Ender. The problem <laughs> with that is back with Victory of the Daleks, they're still around. If she didn't remember them because from they were taken from existence, past, present, future, how are they still... Those Daleks. Yeah. Those Daleks. The, the yeah. Daleks of the, uh, the, Davros's the, Daleks. That gets sucked from her memory. Right. Not all Daleks. Okay. Like that specific instance the of Iron Daleks. Sides. Although at the end of that Iron Sides episode, there was a crack. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Maybe but those where, Daleks were not wibbly pulled. wobbly. Right. But yeah. Maybe that's where those five went. Where did they? Where did they come from? Here. Which ones? The Bracewell ones. Yeah. They were implanted there to so that they could trap the Doctor. They built DC. Bracewell to go on Earth. And yeah. Yeah, but where did they come from? But they would have to be from around the Time War because that's when things went crazy. Yeah. So they're not that so group of Daleks. Not all Daleks have been eradicated. Right. Yeah. Just the just those. Just, just the ones that we know from the ones that were on from the TV yeah. show. The new, yeah. the new the new TV show yes. from two thousand five. Yes. Those yes. are the ones, and these were. And before it's also that. It, remember it's also right. not just the ones from the okay. end of the fourth season. It's the ones from the end of the second season yeah. too. She doesn't remember Daleks at all, yeah. unless she was like scuba diving off Spain. Yeah, but which no, no, that's no, not no, a character. No, that's fine. Yeah. No, now I get it. Okay. So they could be from the cult of Subscaro. So flesh and stone, does it live up to the promises set up in the time of angels? I'm just going to quickly say yes. I, I, you know, that's, they're not the best, but they're fun. I enjoy watching them. It's got Alex Kington. I'm good. Yes, but not very well. But I did. I do enjoy it. It's, it's, I like all the ideas. They just don't sew together well. My gut instinct is no, and I want to say no, and I wanted to come in here saying no, but since our discussion and seeing River Song's character, we learn more about her, so I'm reluctantly going to say yes. Or can I just say no? <laughs> because because the second part just ruined the Weeping Angels for me. So I'm just, I'm just going to say no, because everyone else will say yes, so no. This did not live up to the first part. I think I think I'll go along with um, everyone so far. These these two episodes do have a lot of problems in my mind, but they also have some really high points of Doctor Who. The the angel coming out of the television is super scary in the previous episode, and this one, um, yeah, Bishop Octavian's um, like conversation with the Doctor as he dies that's wonderful, and yeah, Alex Kingston. I'm both of them. So I'm also reluctant. Yes. I think it did live up to it, and then it exceeded it in bad ways. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it answers what we discussed about in the 11th hour about the ducks. And then here we get time can be rewritten. I think this is the first time we get that. I don't know if I like it. And I'm a reluctant yes that it does live up. And it adequately finishes a story that they set up I would like to honestly have a conversation with one of these fans out there that we've met and see like why they like these two episodes. Because mm -hmm. I, I don't want to write them off completely. I want to hear from somebody. I'm hearing a lot of praise about these episodes and I'm, I thought I would come into this with my mind kind of being um, more objective, but it remained the same. But I thought it would swing the other way because that's normally what happens when I rewatch mm -hmm. things. I, my expectations are tempered, where with these ones, I, knowing more kind of angered me a little more, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think this, this scene at the end is what really cements that mm. anger for me. 
or my dislike. Anger might be too strong a word. My dislike for these episodes. And I probably like them more now just because I'm past my tenant envy. You know, it, it, I've accepted Matt Smith as a very, very good doctor. It's like, okay, good things are to come. I can watch this and see he's not out of character. He's mm. not going to ruin Doctor Who. This will turn out okay. This is kind of fun. I mean, I'm, I'm ending on like a, a sour note, but I do have things that I like about these episodes and I hopefully I've highlighted those. So don't take these last words as all negative. And one trivia bit is that this takes place in the 51st century and the uh, camo fatigues that the, the monks, clerics, clerics uh, yeah, that they're wearing is a British SAS camo from 1995 to around 2000. So it's funny that everything that is old is now new again. So that wraps up Flesh and Stone. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time when the future becomes the present. You've just listened to an episode of Who Knew? Our wonderful theme music is by Michael Grady. Find him on Facebook at The Universe Explodes. All our episodes are engineered by Auburn. You can find him at auburnbinkley.com. You can also find this show in several places. Follow us on Twitter at Who Knew Podcast. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Or our YouTube channel youtube.com slash who knew podcast visit our facebook page please leave comments reviews and click like to help support who knew podcast also listen to us on your amazon echo by enabling a podcast skill all our episodes are on who knew podcast.com this podcast is inspired by doctor who the longest running sci-fi show in history and especially the revival spearheaded by russell t davis thanks to russell sydney newman verity lambert ron grainer delia darbyshire and all those involved in the adventures of our favorite Time Lord. Your work continues to inspire and entertain. Flesh and Stone, this is about uh, the dragon scale, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, Jorah's dead. Yeah. Yeah. He dies Jorah. in this one, too? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sam wasn't there to help you. <laughs> Bite down on this. <laughs> You have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> so buckle up, sweeties, because we're going to take a trip just around the river bend. Hi, this is our first quick trip just around the river bend, where we're going to discuss this episode in River Song's timeline because it's so convoluted. So if you haven't watched episodes past this episode, stop now uh, if you don't want to be spoiled. But major spoilers ahead. So in these two episodes in this story, uh, Time of Angels and Flesh and Stone, this is actually after the Doctor has died, quote-unquote, at Lake Silencio. Um, but it is before Rory and Amy's last episode with the terrible Statue of Liberty. So I should probably have the names of the episodes when Daleks I do this. Daleks in Manhattan? No. That's not no, that's, that's not. not. That's the, the angels um, take Manhattan. But the impossible, so it's the impossible astronaut and then time of the moon or day of the moon. Hmm. Um, and then it's this and an interesting thing is it also ties back into um the end of season six 
where Rory and Amy, they've moved into their new house. So they have a new house. They have that backyard. Amy is sitting in the backyard waiting for Rory to come home. And she's sad. And she's sad because the doctor has died. And River shows up. And River says, I just climbed out of the Pandorica. No, Byzantium. Sorry, you're right. I just climbed out of the Byzantium. And she tells Amy, the doctor's not dead. And Amy at first says, well, from your point of view, because you always see him out of time and order time and space and that but then river says no mother so she does know that amy is her mother so in this entire episode she knew that that amy was her mother Hmm. now it's retconned because i don't think anybody knew when moffat wrote this at this time specifically but he later retconned it where she climbs out of the Byzantium. She goes to earth to visit her kid hmm. and says, mother or her parents says, you know, mother, he's, he's alive. And when they all react and Rory comes home and they tell Rory, the doctor's not dead. The doctor's not dead. This is great. This is great. This is great. And then after that, uh, the next time we see river in her timeline is when she is in 1930s, New York. And they're dealing with the uh, Weeping Angels and their Hotel of Death. Well, well, all of this takes place after the Impossible Astronaut because uh, River is in jail for murdering a man. And that's Lake Silencio. She murders the doctor. In her progressive timeline, she gets arrested and put into Storm Cage. Father Octavian takes her out of Storm Cage to take her to the Byzantium mission and says, if you do this well, you'll get a pardon. After this mission, she gets pardoned and she is out of jail. Presumably. 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 Yeah, that's true. She might not have gotten pardoned, but she can walk in. (laughs) We also find out that she can walk in and out of this jail at will. Mm. But she always comes back, so everybody just calm down. Um, So she does leave, and she has a uh, time vortex vortex manipulator uh, to travel through time. So she travels through time to go visit her parents. And, you know, that's when it's like, oh, where... (laughs) What, you know, what time is it for you? What time is it for me? Oh, well, the doctor's just died and I'm really sad. Well, mother, let me tell you. And, and, and you know, she gets beamed up to the prison. So either they put her back in jail and she just gets out like she does in future episodes. Or she literally did earn her pardon at this point, which I don't think she does because I think they... Let, yeah. um, but she's able to leave and Vortex manipulate back to the present to see Amy and Rory. And then she does tell them that the the doctor did not die. The doctor comes back while wearing his coat and tells Amy that she needs to trust him completely. Seriously? He loses his coat and then he has it again? I think he... I don't think he totally loses it, though. Continuity! No, the angel is holding it. That's a huge continuity error. Huge continuity error, sure. Love. Huh? It's not a continuity. It's not a continuity. Error. We'll tell you later. We oh, thought it's it was. We were watching, it, but it's a timey okay, well, I thing. didn't even notice that he still had his jacket. So yeah, he has his coat on because because okay. remember before yeah. he, but the, when he's talking and saying you have to shut your eyes, he has no coat. And then he goes off with River and says, "River, give me your computer." And then the next thing you see is he's grabbing um, with his sleeves and his. He sleeves are rolled his arms. up, so you can see his arms. So he doesn't. He's not got his shirt on. You know, 
his cuffs. And then when you see his face, you can see the collar of his coat. So the doctor comes back wearing his coat. It, 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 it's one of those things where it's like they are, there is a plan. They are doing things very Doctor Whovian. This is not the same doctor. This is a doctor from the future coming back and telling Amy something and we don't know it. And the only way, but they told us, they told us because he's wearing his coat. Mm-hmm. He's got his coat on. And they didn't just recon this because he has a coat. His sleeves are up so you don't see it in the next scene. His sleeves are back down buttoned. So they did film it knowing that this is going to be in the future. He's coming back to this point in time. So and I thought that was brilliant time, once we figured that out. The first time you watch this episode, you didn't catch it because right. they don't show him. The only thing you see of his coat is just like a little bit of his collar and lapel. Mm. It's a very close up of his face. It's the only thing, but his coat is definitely there, you know, when he's putting his head up against Amy's forehead. Um, and then later in the other episode, when he travels back, it's that I remember that going, oh my God, he's wearing his coat. And I hadn't gotten to it yet, but. Uh, she asks him how the crack from her bedroom could be here. And he says, I don't have the answer yet. And he's, and this doctor in this episode turns his head away from Amy and then turns back. In the following subsequent episode, when he turns his head, we see his point of view where the doctor is looking at his present self figuring it out so when he's saying i haven't figured it out yet but i am he's not talking about me he's talking about my other self over there again they even they went even further to say he's 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 interacting with his surroundings and it's just and and even when he looks up of course he's looking at a doctor that's not wearing his coat and then you cut back to a doctor wearing his coat See, I didn't even know he wore a coat. You had to point that out because I saw the sleeves differently. Yeah. But again, originally when you first watch it, because you don't know what's coming up, you just think it's, oh, it's a continuity. They filmed out on different days. When you, mm-hmm. Someone just didn't pay attention. Or you don't notice it at yeah, all. Right. Or you, yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> I, I watched that episode today and I didn't notice it. I like the way this scene is shot because, um, because Amy has her eyes closed, so it's tight on her uh, as, a, as a camera angle. So we don't really notice the the doctor's wardrobe. No. Yeah, so it, yeah, it no. totally makes sense why it's kind of kept close on her face. It's brilliantly filmed. Yeah. And it is one of my favorite things in all of Moffat's era. It really is like, this is the Stephen Moffat. This is the Stephen Moffat who can write Blink and write an entire one half of a conversation that we see three quarters of an episode before we find out what the other half of the conversation is and it all makes sense this is the Stephen Moffat and I think this is why I, when we first started this season a couple episodes back I was saying I didn't like Amy hardly at all when I first watched but knowing where everything goes I really really like her journey and, and who she is seeing her grow as a character I don't like who she was at first but that's kind of the point but when but when you don't know where it's going, all you know is that someone is not very likable. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's stuff like that that makes this whole run. You really got to look at Moffat's season, especially this first one, as a whole run. But you, yes, but you don't appreciate this scene 
at all in the, while watching this episode. No. It's only when you watch the other episode, great. you start thinking, oh, did they just kind of recon this and show you a different way? And it's like, no, they actually filmed it back then. Oh, and that even one really more. goes to yeah. the appreciation of yeah. you set it yeah. down really well on this one. One more little bit of planning, which Frank and I both discovered last night is when you see the first shot of the future doctor putting his hands consolingly on Amy's <laughs> hands, you can see the bruise of the bite mark mm. on Amy's hand. On Amy's hand. <laughs> and it's just like, it was just <laughs> perfect. Because um, Smith actually bit her. Well, yeah, but that you know, could have been before, after. No, but I just think that's funny that he actually, for the thing, you know, actually bit her hand to get her out of that. Going, wait a minute. He's method. So that's why it's like the <laughs> last time. It's like, was that just makeup or what did they just like enhance what was already there? Because <laughs> we mentioned in last episode that a lot of the dialogue flies by you and he's answering another question that he's somebody, it's already posed to him, but he's answering a different question. And in this one, it works on a different level. Mm-hmm. And do you want to name the episode? I don't know. I don't know what the episode is. Do you remember? Is it the Big Bang? Big Bang, yeah. It's the Big Bang. Mm. I was going to say that, but then I kept thinking, oh, I'm just thinking that because of the yeah. show. The, no, it's the, the final episode of the season. The Big Bang. Big Bang. Yeah. That's what I thought. It's, it's, in, it's in the Big Bang. This could be part of the whole timey-wimey ending part. But does anybody remember what he told her when she was seven? Because he hasn't told her yet. <laughs> that's part of the whole time you whiny in a future episode he tells her something when she's seven yeah. but so as an audience watching now we don't know that mm-hmm. and basically he's just at her bedside she's sleeping it was after she was waiting for him and she fell asleep so he puts her to bed and he's talking to her and just telling her that basically you know you're gonna remember part of this it's kind of be just a story and it's like when it comes down to it we're all stories just make it a good one and he starts talking and rambling about the TARDIS, how the TARDIS is something old and ancient and something new because it's his and he just redid it. And it's something that he, he stole. stole, well, borrowed, and it's definitely the brightest blue that he knows. So it goes along with the whole wedding idea of something old, something new, something borrowed, something mm. blue. And then he leans over, kisses her and says, live well and love Rory. And so... That's another one of those coming back to this point because he hadn't actually said it yet. But in this episode, he's saying the details of what I said don't matter. He just wants her to remember. She just has to remember. And that's something that's even a, another foreshadowing spoiler to what's going on. So he definitely makes this point in this scene that Amy's memory and for her to remember is going to be vital. She needs to do that. So what I had mentioned in the last episode about Moffat knowing that he's going to be the showrunner and wanting to have that keep the door open for River to come back. When he was writing Amy, he wanted to have the tie because he was thinking of a possibility. Big spoiler. Amy is River's mother. So he wanted to tie that and that's why her last name is Pond. He wanted to keep the water references oh, so going through it. It was, th- it was that way, not it was, the other way. He named Amy Pond because River. Right, because River was his first character. And so he did have that possibility because when we're watching it, we're like, when did he come up with this? It's like, this is kind of stretching it. But then he did have that on interviews that he had given. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was interesting to have the woman who's going to be the wife of the doctor be one of the the daughter of a companion type of thing. Mm -hmm. 
So I thought that was really interesting, but from what we were able to find out, the actors didn't know this yet. This is still just all in Moffat's mind that when they first meet, here's Dr. River Song and Amy, and this is the mother and daughter meeting. No, I didn't get any subtext that River would know this. So I don't think Alex knew this at this point. And I don't think she did. But there's just some, sometimes actors, like the way that they act, it's, it's, it opens for us to put our own, um, on right. them. Like I watched that scene and I was like, oh my goodness, River is totally acting like Amy's her mom. Like I, that's what I read into that. Which is that, what, is that the scene on the beach or later? In the first episode? Because um, I'm thinking the scene on the beach, she doesn't do anything. Maybe at the end of this episode. But it's one of the one of those yeah, performances th between like Amy and River. I'll, I'll give the it to you with River the... way that River is like talking to Amy. I, I totally like could believe that River knows who Amy really is. That Not was Alex, a, but River. That's what I was hinting at with the... You know, they're saying the same character, you know, this is how he keeps score. Mm. And it's like, oh, that's mother mm -hmm. and daughter kind of a thing, you know? And so I can see it from there, but the scene on the beach, she doesn't react at all to that being Amy, their mother. And she does know that's her mother, but she doesn't react that way at all. And that's a, this is like, I just wished, I just, I just, just a, just a, just a little thing would have been great. There is later on, after it's been established in, not to us, but mm. to the Stephen Moffat, where she meets Rory for the first time and she does react. Mm. There is a moment of Rory. Like you said, this is one of the first ones actually in production. This is the very yeah. first, yeah. So they don't know how Alex and Matt Smith are going to be reacting and see how they're going to go. Mm -hmm. And if uh, Karen is going to be staying on as companion and how she fits in and how they all work. So they think it's going to work. They have this idea, but they just don't know if that's going to continue because you never know what's going to go down the road. But knowing the future, you appreciate it more going, she is, she could read it that way. It's kind of... Gives you that little extra you know, excitement and fun inside the storyline. It's just there are moments on that beach and there are moments in other episodes where I just sit there and I go, you know, that's your mother. <laughs> it's like, you're not, are you really that good an actress? It's like, well, it's River. Yeah, she is. But come on. And with Moffat putting in the whole doctor's jacket, rolling up his sleeves scene and filming it now, mm -hmm. I mean, that much planning ahead. Just wish he would have done one or two little things that when you go back, go, she does know that Amy is her mom. And we put that in as fans. You can kind of see it that way, but I don't think it's inherently in here because I don't think any of the characters or actors know it yet. It's good stuff. And I'm so glad they were not adversaries mm -hmm. at the beginning. Like... Rose and Sarah Jane. They were more Donna and Martha, uh, Martha, Martha. just going <laughs> hitting it off. They were both kind of hitting it off right at the beginning, so I kind of like that. You know, he's not really listening to us. Yes, he's <laughs> listening to us. Hold it the other way around. I mean, there's little yeah, things yeah. like that are great. <laughs> just, it's like, okay. And, and it's River going, hold it the other way around. <laughs> River is the one who knows him better. Right. <laughs> I love River. Sorry, sorry. Nah. Can't help it. Even if it is the worst episode ever. And we'll get there. River always makes it better because Alex Kingston been deserved an Emmy. Love Alex Kingston. Would be a BAFTA or a BAFTA. <laughs>